but I remember I put my number and I just I have all my hope in it like the night before I knew that drawing is tomorrow uh, I'm not a very religious person like I'm I shouldn't say I was praying but I was just kind of trying to communicate with the universe and ask for it for it to become true and I was I was shocked when I saw you have been selected instead of you have not been selected. Just you have been selected. It's just changing your my changing my world on the spot. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with a man who grew up in Ukraine and is now a permanent resident of the United States after moving here in 2014, Alex Vlasin. Alex takes us through his experience of growing up in the Ukraine in the 90s and what life was like following the end of the Soviet Union. In high school, Alex moved to the United States as a foreign exchange student for a year, which would ultimately serve as a precursor to his eventual permanent move to the United States in 2014. Alex provides a personal account of the political circumstances in the Ukraine and some incredibly frightening first-hand accounts of the conflicts that have been ongoing for nearly a decade. I love this conversation so much and I'm thrilled to be able to learn and share Alex's story with you. Alex is a truly delightful person to be around and I'm humbled to be a part of his life's tapestry. Thank you as always to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Alex Vlasson. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So, Alex, uh, you are originally from the Ukraine, came here uh, in 2014, um, and have been living in the States since then. And I just thought it was super exciting to get the opportunity to talk to you, to talk to you about what it was like growing up in the Ukraine, what it's like coming over here, and then maybe some thoughts on, you know, what, what the last, uh, this, this calendar year has been like with the, the, the invasion from Russia into Ukraine and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, so I'll just start with, you were born in the Ukraine. What was yeah. your, what was your early childhood like? Do you, what, did you grow up in a city? Was it in a rural area? Like where, what was your childhood like? Yeah. So basically I was born and raised pretty much till I was 18 in the small town on the east side of Ukraine. Mm. Like, this small town, if we comparing, like, but at the time when I was born, there was probably the population of uh, 100,000 people. Oh, okay. So I don't know how, how compared like, compare to U.S., what, what it's, like, comparable yeah, to. <laughs> I mean, the city that, that uh, I, I'm from and we live in is Springfield, mm-hmm. Missouri, yeah. and that's, Around, I want to say maybe one hundred eighty thousand to two hundred thousand. Now, there's a lot of college kids, so yeah. there's some fluctuation. Yeah, exactly. um, but so not quite as good as Springfield, but not tiny. I wouldn't say. Yeah. So I, I was born in the nineties, so it's already the post-Soviet Union era. Okay. So you know the before that it was a whole big country with all those republics, right? Connected with the like Union, so. So back in the day when my hometown, which is, I, I can, do you want me to say its name? That, that sure. Matter. Yeah. I so mean, up to you. The, the name of it is Kostantinivka. Okay. Of the Donetsk region of the eastern part of Ukraine. So like long time ago, <clears throat> when it was established as a city, town, however you want to call, um, 
it was uh, pretty much built around the plants. The, the, there is a tiny river that goes across the town. And on the both banks of that river, there was 28 plants. And we're talking about like uh, heavy industry stuff, like, you know, like where they make uh, metal stuff, glass, chemicals, gotcha. all kinds of stuff for the, you know, heavy production. So a lot of industrial factories in that area. Yeah. And the, the, river. the fun fact is in New York City, here in the United States, uh, there was a metro station mm-hmm. and it had a, a fountain, fountain built, you know, like on the metro station. I yeah. unfortunately, like, I, I know I, I read about it, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know it's in New York City. So that fountain, the parts of it, it made out of the glass, and the glass was actually made in my hometown. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> and there is also other different things around the world that, for some reason, somehow, because those plants were huge for the whole Soviet Union, for the whole like giant country, just as bigger uh, than Russia these days. So lots of different parts of it, like you know, around the world, you can find things where, for some reason, end up being made in my hometown in the but, town of a hundred thousand yeah. in the middle of Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, there is, uh, the, the reason I kind of went back in the time it's been before I was born. So all that, uh, so the city was uh, thriving because of lots of jobs. Ah. Everything was cool. But in the nineties, after the Soviet Union collapse and all those plans that used to be government property became like free for grabs, free for all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the people who were, you know, kind of, I, I shouldn't say sort of like smart enough, but they, I should say quick enough. They started, <laughs> you know, they started grabbing things on their own, yeah. as their own property and selling it. Instead of just trying to keep the production going and creating, and not even creating, but keeping those uh, jobs mm. for people, they were just like close the plant or factory and just sell it out, sell the parts, like everything. I see. Just liquidate it to, yeah. to get whatever cash they could, but they don't actually care about running. the Exactly. Exactly. Just, just to get the resource out of it as soon as possible. And, you know, just yeah. go with it. So that put my hometown in pretty bad shape since I think it's never recovered after, after that time. So it's, it's never went better. It's only went downhill from that moment. Oh, wow. So, but yeah, here, like, but <clears throat> so when I was born, 1994, so it's like three years after, um, I single child in my family. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so till, until about five years old, I actually lived with my grandparents. Oh, okay. From my father's side. Okay. Um, it's not like necessarily that like so my mom worked a lot mm-hmm. and my dad didn't feel like spending time you know like babysitting me at home yeah so that's why i was mostly it's, away. A, it's a pretty common story here in america too i mean i have family members and within my own family that there were at least especially when they were real young just like you were were you know mostly raised by their grandparents uh, by my grandparents because <laughs> they're my cousins and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, I think that's a somewhat uh, common thing that can happen. Um, yeah. But 
<clears throat> since I've been raised by my grandparents, like, you know, so I, I'm, I'm very close with them and they're still both still alive, right? Oh, awesome. Day, so, you know, we have like a video call every Sunday just to oh, cool. chat. But the thing is, so after that, I, my parents got divorced. Like after I was five, 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 six years old, they got divorced. So I ended up living with my mom and with her parents and her parents' house. So we actually had several generations living in the same place. So my mom and I, my aunts, my mom's sisters, my mom's parents, and my mom's grandparents, which is my great grandparents. Oh, wow. So, so four generations. Under the same roof. <laughs> Was it a giant house? Uh, actually, no. It wasn't really big. Like, yeah. if I, I, like, I visited my hometown recently, like in the winter, January, before. Oh, cool. Before the full invasion happened. But I looked at my yard and my house and everything looks so tiny compared to what it looked like when I was growing up, actually. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a big house. Although there was like, so the, most properties in Ukraine actually have a fence around them. It's not like here you can just see your neighbor's yard, right? Like from, Oh, okay. Even around the front yard. Front yard, backyard, everything has a fence at least seven eight feet tall oh wow yeah it, it's either made of wood or some people have concrete blocks some people have uh, metal like so it's all protected but this territory it's like your territory you have a tiny bit of like a front yard with a sidewalk so people can by- bypass on the street but everything else is inside behind the fence I so see. and we had the house and we had this kind of building that we call the winter kitchen because it had a heat. So you, oh, okay. <laughs> so actually, there was no kitchen in the house. Oh. There was a summer kitchen with no heat, and the winter kitchen was the heat. Yeah. Yeah. So not, <laughs> I don't know if you can imagine it, but it's separate buildings. Right. So that's so even though it has heat, you still have to go out in the cold to get to it and exactly, back. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and there is also like just funny memory popped up in my head. Uh, we had uh, big guard dogs that only obeyed my great-grandfather. Oh. So after about, like, uh, summer, it was after 9 or 10 p.m., he would let them out of the whole property so they can, because people would steal stuff. They would, like, climb to the fence and steal, like, I don't know, metal things that can, can turn into cash really quick because there was lots of places where that would accept, like, metal things for cash. Yep. So they would steal something. But we had those dogs... And they would only obey my great grandfather, right? So <laughs> no one was able to actually leave the house. If like, you had, like <laughs> so want to eat something, or <laughs> no, you can go pick up your dogs outside. <laughs> oh wow, that sounds kind of scary, frankly, with the dogs. <laughs> there was no communication between buildings, so oh, we wow. couldn't even tell him to hey, put them, put them out, so we can walk. <laughs> was like. <laughs> and then did he put no them up every phones. morning yeah every morning around 5 a.m he would like put them in their cages on the back nice. like on the far far corner of the backyard yeah so but and uh so this period of my life i stayed in that house uh from since i was six till about 13 okay so that period so my i started school I actually, I, f- I forgot to mention, but I didn't go to the kindergarten or preschool. Oh, okay. I, I was kind of like, you know, 
daughter at home by yeah. actually by my grandma from the father's side because I spent mm. sometimes I lived with them for five years and then I used to spend time on the weekend with them. So actually before getting into elementary school, like the first grade of the elementary school, I was able to read and, oh, wow. I, and I knew the multiplication table. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We didn't learn that until I think third or fourth grade here. So much later. Yeah, but my grandma decided to teach me that. And so I yeah. was kind of a little bit ahead of other kids at that time. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you like school as a kid? Uh, actually, I hate it. I hate it so much for some reason. I, I, I also I, hated it. <laughs> I, to me, it felt like prison. <laughs> I don't know. If, although, like, my first couple, like, for, to say we're talking about elementary school, yeah. I could easily get away and not go just stay on my own. Hey, I don't feel like going today. She's like, okay, you can ah, stay home. I see. And it could be weeks. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So that's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, and I didn't have like a problem with kids there. Like I had yeah. friends and everything, but just, I don't know, just didn't feel like I want to be there. Like during the school times, like subjects and stuff. I, I didn't, right. I wasn't feel. I didn't feel interested, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's how I felt when I was a kid. It was just always pretty boring. Right. Like it was I, mean, I enjoyed talking to my friends and playing at recess or whatever we would do. And I enjoyed some of the class, but a lot of it would just felt boring and I just wanted to do anything else. <laughs> There's also some interesting facts about Ukrainian school that's kind of different from. OK, because uh, I spent also a year in U.S. high school, which oh, I'll okay. talk about later. But uh, so. You are. Is in elementary school, I don't. I actually don't know if it's similar or not. But you have a group of kids, like say twenty people, for example, mm -hmm. right? And you have one teacher who teaches you reading, writing, math. Um, science, maybe. <laughs> there is no science in elementary school, like. Oh, okay. There like, is here. Like that. There, there is something about nature. Yeah, about like, I mean, it's not physics or something, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, it's yeah. basic like, like basic here's stuff. the yeah. sun and here's how plants work. I think we only had a different teacher for uh, drawing class, like art class, and music yeah. music class was a two different teacher and and the PE like physics. That's actually pretty class. similar to how it is here in elementary. Once you get older, then it's a different teacher for every subject. But in elementary, it's like that. Here okay, too. so it's a similar. But then the fifth grade, it starts middle school. So from ah, the okay. fifth. So from the fifth to ninth, it's a middle school. Okay. And then tenth and eleventh, is, it's a high school, and that's it. We don't have twelve years; only eleven years. Okay. But you can also leave school after the ninth grade and go to like a community college. Oh, and it's not considered like you dropped out or anything. exactly. It's not considered just you have you haven't finished the high school, but you can go to community college and just get a degree and find a job. So it's also yeah. an option. But. Since the fifth grade, you still have the same group of kids. Besides, if someone might join, someone might leave to another group, but still, it's the same class mm -hmm. with like 20 people. And you have now all these different teachers and different subjects, but you still go to the same class as, as the one unit. Like Oh, as, that's very different. Yeah, here you pick classes and every class you have different people around. Right. But here you, you have same classmates in every single class. 
Huh. So like here you have a class of 2022, for example, right? And it's like all the seniors of the same year in high school who completed their program and they graduating. There you still, till the very end, you're still in the same group of people. Even if the school has hundreds of kids, it's yeah. still the, each they all segment divided, of 20 or whatever. They all divided by this, by this unit. And you, huh. you're going from very beginning to very end of school journey. <laughs> yeah, that seems that seems really interesting socially. I mean, I guess if you got along with the people, it'd be good. But if you didn't get along with someone, you're kind of just stuck. I mean, did everyone kind of figure it out then? Did people that's, figure out how to get along? That's actually like when I think most people making their friends for life because yeah. you're stuck with the same people for how many times and for how much longer a day and how many years. Yeah. Right. Like my, 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 my best friends are all from, like, from school, you know, like right. we, we've met there. Yeah. And, uh, it, it keep carry on like to. Right. Yeah. So I have family here that goes, to, that went to very, very, they live in very small towns like a thousand people so not a hundred thousand one thousand and and so there's like you know between 10 and 20 kids in the class total for that whole town and so it's the same experience you're talking about but it's not because it's it's not because it's the system it's just because there's only 20 kids so you have to be with them because there's no one else to be with right Right. but but so kind of similar but yeah I, i feel like those people have really strong bonds and there's there's a, a better shared experience with school whereas like for me I graduated with hundreds of kids that I had never didn't even know by the end and so I don't feel that connection to my class as a whole I mean of course I had friends that I was close with but the larger group mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that at all do you do you, do you have like uh school reunions well we do yeah in fact my this is how old I am. My 20 year reunion <laughs> was just recent. I did not go. <laughs> uh, I had a 10 year this year. Well, for me, it was 10 year. Yeah. Yep. Do they do that in Ukraine as well? Yep. Okay. But, but you meet with that group of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the 20. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, so. I assume there's still like sports and extracurricular activities associated with school, or is it not? Uh, it's actually not in school. Okay. Like okay. if you want any after class activities, extracurricular activities, whatever you call, mm-hmm. the, the school does not usually provide. It's rare that the school might have something kind of club interest or okay. the, the sport. Like I, I can tell you a little bit of experience my in American school sport teams and Ukrainian school. Yeah, please. So I was very, I think, I think, was it seventh or eighth grade? I don't remember exactly. But uh, during the winter time, uh, we had our PE class instead of the outside. Like we had like, like a soccer field mm-hmm. or some tracks that were actually made out of the asphalt. And if you fall, you hurt yourself pretty badly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, the, during the winter time, they would actually let us into the gym where it was the okay. basketball, or there was a basketball, two basketball cool hoops, and the volleyball net, that right? To be put up, but the teacher said, "Hey, we play basketball today." <laughs> we're like, "Okay, here's right. the ball, one ball for twenty people." <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so, 
Huh. And I kind of kind of felt like I understood the rules kind of a little bit, how to bounce the ball, and kind of, you know, felt like I make those shots, and I felt good about it. And then <clears throat> someone showed us a videos. Uh, have you heard about End One? Yep. <laughs> so someone showed, showed us those videos. Downloaded from the internet and brought yeah. to school and like, look at this. And right. Oh, that which that tough. is like the craziest, most extreme showmanship you can have. Exactly. It's not like that's just how everyone in America plays exactly. basketball. But, but <laughs> you were like, wow, let's so we try to watch it, memorize and repeat those moves. Oh, wow. And we gave those moves different names, even though we yeah. didn't know because no one speak English and was able to comprehend what they're saying. Yeah. So we were just, and then they say, oh, we have a competition between schools basketball who wants to play i'm like me and my friends we all joined and so we didn't we didn't have jerseys or anything just you know our regular gym clothes and we wrote we wrote numbers with the chalk on the back of our you know wow on our backs just yeah know, but of course it would like fade because of the sweat and everything because right? <laughs> so, it's <but>, chalk <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and um I also don't remember. We didn't never had a practice, right? We would just play during our class, and that was our practice, right? But you probably didn't have a coach that's really instructing you or teaching you. No one was teaching us or anything. They were just they want to play. We're like, yes, and we play. That's it. <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, no, 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 no one was saying anything. You doing right or wrong? Are you following the rules? <laughs> right. Right, but uh, the the competition were not very successful. I th- I didn't think we made it far, but then I switched the school to a different, and they also had this competition going, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to play, and we had a team. So basketball players, what five players on the field at a time, right? So yep. we had six people in total. <laughs> oh, okay. So hard to get a break, and everybody was smoking. <laughs> During the game? Before. Okay. <laughs> like smoking cigarettes, I mean. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a, the reason I said during the game wasn't I mean in America in the like eighties, uh-huh. not probably by the nineties or two thousands, but in the eighties, and probably not children, I guess, but professional basketball players in America in the eighties were smoking cigarettes at halftime of the games. Oh wow. So yeah, it's we've come a long way. <laughs> yeah. When I actually end up in U.S. high school, and out of curiosity, I decided to join the football team. Oh, okay. And American uh, football or soccer? Amer- American football. Okay. American football. And uh, I had a practice every single day except Fridays because the Friday night was the game night. Yeah. So it was the whole different experience, and I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more, not the sport, but actually being a part of a team. Yeah, and enjoying the activity. I That's wasn't the best good part, at all. I think. I think it took me almost the whole season to realize what to do. Right. I didn't speak English very well or understand, so I couldn't actually understand. What well, and you're a senior me. in high school, so you're playing with kids who have been playing for their whole lives. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally so, <laughs> and uh, but I kind of put things together. It was almost the end, but the team I was a part of was really strong team. They were undefeated previous season 
oh, wow. the champion of the district or I don't know. I don't yeah. think it was a championship of the state, but of the district. It was actually in Massachusetts. Okay. So, and uh, the, the season I was part of that team, we were going very strong and we didn't, we didn't make, we, did, we lost the final game. So mm. basically we, we lost the final. Yeah. And I yeah, didn't, I, I didn't get the ring. No ring. No ring. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I, uh, I played sports my whole childhood and was on the basketball team in high school, but that's the operative word is I was on the team. I didn't really play basketball as much as I was on the team. Um, so, but honestly, what you said about the camaraderie and just being a part of the team, that's why I continued to do it because even though I wasn't a very good player and didn't get very much playing time, um, I just really enjoyed, yeah, having that group of people that I was close with and you got to go on trips sometimes and I don't know, just there's a camaraderie to it that, that I think is harder to find if you're just going to class. And it was also a cool dining spot for the team players in the yeah. hall. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I, I hang out with them, you know. And, was, and so what year would that have been? 2010-2011. Uh, okay. So a few years before you yep. eventually moved mm-hmm. back here yeah. full-time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I'm kind of skipping around a little bit here, but my understanding is that Ukraine is actually responsible for a large amount of frankly, the world's uh, wheat production. So you talked about growing up in this industrial town, but was the rural parts of Ukraine, was that something that you were around at any point or, or you were always in more of a city city area? Or have I misunderstood Ukraine's production of, of wheat? Um, I mean, th- there is those wheat fields are everywhere as well. Okay. So besides all that I described, how my hometown was built, like you drive like 20 minutes out and there's like those fields everywhere. Okay. I used to walk through one field. To my, my grandparents had a little garden out, outside of the city, and we used to walk there. Like the, the the walk there would take us about an hour to get there. Okay. So, and to make a shortcut, we would just walk through the field that was usually one year it was wheat, the other year it was the sunflowers, and then back to the wheat, and then start, they were changing it around, and those fields just around everywhere because the reason why the soil the top soil is everywhere the black the really good soil that produces you know the the growing food Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's why that's why it's you know one one of the largest suppliers of the wheat around the world yeah i mean that's kind of like iowa the state that's north Mm -hmm. of missouri my family's all from there and it's the same like here if you try and dig a hole it's all rocky and it's clay yep. and it's very bad mm-hmm. dirt but you just go a few hours north and it's like what you're describing it's really rich black soil that's easy to dig and mm-hmm. good for plants mm-hmm. not like whatever we have here <laughs> i actually have been to iowa oh really i've been to iowa city oh cool how many states have you been to in the u.s uh so okay let's count really quick so here starts missouri right yep. iowa oklahoma illinois arkansas I don't really count state that I just drove through because it doesn't really. Sure, you weren't really there. That's kind of Midwest I've visited so far. Uh, on the East Coast, although I've been into uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Florida. 
Did you count? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't, but you. I think you've been to more states than I have. I think it's, it's total is 10 to 12 states. 10 yeah. to 12 states. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's more than me. So <laughs> your life's more interesting than mine in every way. Um, well, so I'm curious when you're in school and you come over to the States, did you have, I know you said when you were a kid, you would, you know, you could skip elementary school, at least for those first couple of years, kind of when mm-hmm. you wanted, but as you got older, were there subjects you were attracted to? Like when you came to America, was there something you were interested to learn or <laughs> was it more just the experience of coming to the U S uh, so yeah, I should say for, for first of all, it was just experience to kind of see this culture. I yeah. was always interested in the, in the culture because all the pop culture in Ukraine is comes from here. Like, okay. As I mentioned those videos, music, movies, everything. So I had the okay. picture in my mind about how it looks. Yeah. So, and the, how I'm actually end up for, for the first time in the United States. There was, uh, and I think it's still the program called Future Leaders Exchange, or okay. short flex. Okay. Uh, the goal, it, this program is uh, completely supported by the Department of State. Okay. So what it what it takes is uh, usually recruiters for this program travel around schools, Ukraine, Russia, Kazakhstan, all the post-Soviet Union countries. And uh, tell, hey, guys, there is a program to learn language, to learn uh, culture and live in the United States. Go to United States school for a year if you're interested hmm. to be qualified for that program. You have to go through certain tests and tours of the program where you complete certain tasks. And at the end, you do the interview. Hmm. So uh, for my end who actually lives here. She lives in St. Louis, but she was living in Springfield. That's how I came here. But she was a member of that program back in 1998. Okay. So that's how she first got here. I see. So she went all through, through the, all the tours and then was selected and then spent the year in the United States. And she always told me that you have to learn English and kind of try this when the time comes. So my first attempt for this program was in when I was in the eighth grade. So right. I was 13, 14, 14 years old. And I didn't make it past the first round, which is uh, pretty simple. You, you have to, I believe, answer 16 questions okay. right, in English, like multiple choice. So, but I didn't make it. Uh, then I decided that I want to try again next year and just took a year to kind of, I, I had a tutor. And I kind of started learning English oh, wow. better. So, you know, put more effort in it, at least. Yeah. One more depth I was able to get from school. And um, the second year, I was already in the ninth grade. It's the uh, last year of a middle school. Mm. And uh, I was able to pass through the first test, which was the 16 question. The second test, which I haven't done before, was harder. It was uh, multiple choice questions about like 50 or something then it was listening you have to listen to something and then answer the question and then you had to write like uh, a little short essay about something oh. so it was more comprehensive than just so yeah. that would show your actual knowledge of the english and i should my my mind wasn't my english wasn't that good but i still made it past it so and third 
stage of it is I was invited again for the interview. So there was just two people, two for two persons there. One I believe was American and one is Ukrainian. And they would ask like different random questions. Okay. Like how would you react to this and that if because that program when you're you're taking a part in that program, you live in the host family. You live with oh. the random people who you don't know. Right. So kind of questions to, to targeted towards how would you react in the certain situations and what would you do, kind of you know to determine if you be if right. you actually be able to do it or not. Right. So all those parts of the program were taking place in fall, September to November, end of November. So. Okay. And then in March, I received the call that I was selected. Wow. As a, you know. Exchange student. Yep. Yep. And yep. then, like, it was a bunch of paperwork to complete. And then there was orientation in the camp during the summer for a week. And then there was um, the embassy. So to get the I, I needed the visa still. Even though, like, okay. I still need to go. This was my first interview in the embassy, you know, of the United States in Ukraine. So, but and then in August of that year, it's 2010. I actually traveled. So, were you? You were in the 10th grade then? I skipped it completely. Okay, I skipped okay. it because I was here. Like, <laughs> okay. So, what grade did you complete in the states then? Uh, I was considered first semester. I was a junior and second semester. I was a senior. Okay. <laughs> so, and so then when you went back, did you have to finish more Ukraine school? Yeah, I finished my senior, like my last 11th grade in, in Ukrainian school. So, But they okay. let me skip 10, even though you asked that question if I was interested in learning any subject. So, so yeah. since the school subject had like no desire, like no interest in me. When I was in ninth grade, I would skip the classes even without asking my mom anymore. I would just like <laughs> somewhere because, you know, 15, 16 year old yeah. already think they're adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so but, did any of your friends apply for the program too? Actually, no. Really? Uh, no. And huh. I actually, because of that program, I was pretty famous. Oh. Before I went and after I came back from it. Like people, Did you talk to your friends about why they didn't want to? No, no I don't know. I ne- never actually brought up that question. <laughs> Fair enough. Were, did that make you, were you nervous to leave them behind or just eager to have the adventure? I was eager to have the adventure, but I missed everyone a lot. Like, you know, homesick. Mm-hmm. I was really homesick first three months. It was. Oh, wow. Yeah was tough but again i should thank a lot my aunt who actually persuaded me to stay because i was about to leave i was oh i'm done i'm going home <laughs> but really? she's like she talked to me one night and like, kind of persuade me to kind of uh wait a little bit because it's gonna be better she said and it, it got better it really got better i just needed to wait a little bit and get myself to adjust Kind of, right. well, it's a culture shock, obviously, and every so everything I saw in the movies it was like was totally like, you know, different different world. Yeah. So. Was there anything 
was there anything that met your expectations? Like, was there anything that you expected from the movies? And then it was like, oh, yeah, that is how it is. Yeah, yellow school buses. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What was the most surprising thing that you remember? What was my... It doesn't have to be most, but just what was a really surprising thing when you came to the United States that you were like, wow, I didn't think that would be true. I think uh, that I was not able to buy cigarettes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so did you hang out with the bad kids in America? No, I, that I, 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 actually, I actually stopped smoking for a year. I didn't smoke when I was here. I was just like, oh, I can buy. Okay, too bad. I'm not smoking anymore. Wow. And then when you went back to Ukraine, you started again? Yeah, because everyone smokes and they're like, okay, here we go. (laughs) Peer pressure. (laughs) Right, right. So so you're here for that year. You go back to finish your high school. Did you think you would come back at that point? Or did you think you were, it was just a one-time thing and you would live in Ukraine forever? Uh, I had a feeling that I'll be back. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you think you would go back to that same part of the country, to Massachusetts? Mm, could, I could have that idea in mind, and I explain why. Uh, so the host family that I was staying in, it was um, a single parent host family. We had just a host dad. Okay. His name was uh, Clifford Fournier. Okay. And he was in his 70s. Oh, wow. He actually passed away uh, this year in April. Oh, did you keep in contact with him all this time? Uh, actually not. I okay. he, he knew that I was back in States, but it's kind of just, just lost the contact. So Yeah. It's not like, yeah, go ahead. What's that host family experience like? Like, it, it seems so, I mean, like you said, it's living with strangers. Yep. It seems like that would be kind of scary are there other exchange students living in the same house with you so you're not alone or is it just you and this guy so usually usually american families taking just one kid just one Mm -hmm. kid a year and they also actually do that but in my case i already knew that i will have a second student because they asked me to sign a double placement agreement Ah. and the, the guy was supposed to be from afghanistan oh wow yeah, because there is another program called Yes for the Asia Middle Middle East and Asia. Okay. But um, I I already knew and I'm, I agreed to it because I didn't want to be like you know oh I don't want to live with anyone I'm like I'm, I don't care sure Afghan guy why not yeah but, but <laughs> when I arrived I had two students with me oh with wow me. the one from Turkey and one from Philippines the Afghani guy didn't make it. So it was some kind of trouble with visa or something. He he actually came in in January, but oh. since there was already three of us living in the house, he lived lived with another family actually in different place. He didn't. Oh okay. But yeah, he, so I mean, according to rules, actually the family cannot have more than two kids. Ah. But the third guy, the Filipino guy, he was actually technically staying with our host dad sister but he was ah. in the same house because he had a giant house and he i mean he was really interested interesting person with very interesting life because he was in his 70s as i said when, when i was there yeah. 
He was never married. Never had his own kids. Uh, biologically. I mean, but he actually adopted seven sons. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> through the, his life, he fostered a lot of kids as well. Mostly boys. Yeah. So he was, despite not having a biological family, he still built a family of his own yep. through this. Mm-hmm. So I'm also curious, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you're born just a few years after the, the fall of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, frankly, as an adult, it seems like there's a lot of complexity to that that could be hard to understand. How did you understand that as a kid? Like, did, did your family talk to you about that? Or did you, did you, were you not aware of all of that political stuff? Or was, was it impossible to not be aware of it? Um. There was like there's lots of movies about the, that time still around. Okay. So I learned a lot of from that, and obviously from the like what my parents told me about it, what my grandparents told us. Yeah. His history lessons also played a part of it. Uh, but I I I don't I didn't quite get your question. I guess like uh, what what exactly you mean by understanding what was going on. When it just collapsed, like, or why did it, or... Yeah, and just, like, the fact that it used to be one large, you know, country, I guess, or mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, yeah, grouping of countries, and now they're all independent, and I guess what I mean is, like, even as an adult now, there's a lot of motivations into why that would come true, so as a kid, it seems like it would be difficult to understand <clears throat> I th- complexities. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a kid, I didn't had a, like an idea of why exactly it happened. It just mm-hmm. happened and happened. And honestly, did I really care? No, I, don't, I didn't really care. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, it happened. Did so, your family did your family like that it had happened or not? Or different? Uh, I mean, actually my family and mo- most people who were born and raised during that time they actually miss it. They miss the, the Soviet Union being mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like uh, 60s, 70s, 80s. Those like three decades, I think, were the great greatest ones. Well, and you described, I mean, as soon as it collapses, then all of a sudden the factories are getting sold. So everyone's life gets a lot harder following mm-hmm. that too, right? Yeah, so. the, the 90s, 90s and the post-Soviet Union countries, it's... Um, uh, it's a it's a very 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 specific time 
which uh, lot lots of time referred as the um, it's not the correct exactly correct translation of that word, but it's like in a the crazy nineties or okay. Uh, so so there is lots of correct uh, like criminal activity were during that time. Yeah. Like gangsters and stuff. So, right. so, so it was, people would work. So even they still have their jobs and would work where they used to, because some, some places were still existing to them until this time. And they were, you know, functioning through all those years, but right. th they would work their normal, normally normal shifts, normal amount of days in the week and the months, but they would not get paid because okay. there is no money. So they would wow. be, sometimes they would be compensated with the products that the third thing is for producing mm -hmm. or that they would eventually get paid, but, you know, like a couple months from, wow. from the time they already were supposed to be paid and they will put all that hours and all those work, but they would not get money. That's crazy. That's wild. Well, so I'm also curious. So you mentioned that uh, you speak Russian. Yeah, is the the first language that you learn. It is. Yeah, which I guess is probably because that was the dominant language of the Soviet Union. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, and uh, since I'm from the eastern part of the country, which is really close to Russia, so it's mostly everyone speaks Russian there. Gotcha. And so then. Did you learn Ukrainian as a, as a child? Were you learning that in school or how did that, when, when did that come to be? So my, my both grandparents from my father's side, uh, they would speak kind of mix of Russian and Ukrainian at home. Mm. As my grandma, she's from the Midwest of Ukraine. Okay. So, <laughs> and this, the territory where people more speak in Ukrainian. Usually. Okay. And, I picked up from there and then in school, since the first grade, all my subjects were in Ukrainian. Oh, okay. So I, I freely speak both languages with no problem. The, I, I don't know if this is a fair comparison or not. Um, cause I know little about these languages too, but like when I was a kid in school, I took Spanish class, mm -hmm. right. And we learned about Portuguese language and how it is very similar. It, there are some differences, but it's very similar to Spanish. Yep. Is that kind of a similar relationship between Ukrainian and Russian where it's different, but there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. We do have the same alphabet almost. There's a few letters difference. Yep. Uh, grammar rules. Very similar, almost identical. There is oh, certain words, certain words that are completely different. Even like mm. the names of the months. Okay. They're totally different. Okay. I would say we have similar similarity in the vocabulary. It's about 40%. Okay. There is a, like uh, the country called Belarus, northern of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And they have their, their own language as well. Oh, wow. They speak the Belarus language and the Russian. Yeah, I don't know much about Belarus, except that they've been in the news the last few years because they're, they're like the last dictator. 2020, <laughs> yeah. But their language is much closer to Ukrainian than Russian. Ah, okay. I see. So, like, I, I don't speak Belarus, but when I hear it, I totally understand it. Like, I see. 
But also interesting fact that some Russians don't understand Ukrainian. Really? Yeah, and they cannot say so certain words. Huh. Like they cannot pronounce them, even though it's similar. So Right, right. But That's not the vice versa, you know. So if you can speak Ukrainian, you can you can speak Russian, but if you can speak Russian, you might not be able to speak Ukrainian. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So yeah, so so you went to the exchange student program, you go back to Ukraine, mm-hmm. pick up cigarettes again. <laughs> yeah. You finish school and then and then it's a few more years before you come back to the United States. So what's that period of time like after uh, high school? I yeah, so when I went back to Ukraine, mm-hmm. I switched school. Okay. So uh, totally, I had four different schools from the first to eleventh grade. So I switched three times, four different. So you didn't have the one pack of twenty people, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's me. <laughs> well, you're famous, so. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started this new school, and uh, 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 one year in the United States changed me, like physically. Ah, I gained some weight. I start shaving my head, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my beard started to grow. Okay, so I looked older than most students. Right. And on my first day of school, like in Ukraine, well, after I went back, um, my classmates thought that I'm a new teacher or someone's <laughs> father. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So, but uh, my 11th grade as a senior year, I didn't study anything. I knew that uh, I I already knew that I'm I'll be or I'll be doing okay after I graduate. So I didn't put any effort into mm. actually studying. Yeah. I went to school to hang out with friends. Yeah, eat it, eat, and smoke on the breaks. That was my time, but uh, it was some you know like parties and stuff on the weekend. Yeah. So I enjoyed that year. Unfortunately, there was um, it's like event my milestone had that happened mm. that year. It's my best friend died. Oh wow! In the, in the December of twenty eleven. So it was wow. it, it, it was kind of like a midterms of the year. Yeah. So he it, it, it was it was uh, very unexpected. It was like an accident, not the car, wow. but he fell out of the window. Wow, I'm so sorry, um, man. That's that's brutal. Yeah, it, it's kind of changed a lot of things for me. Yeah. Uh, but then I, when the time came to do the like the test exams, take exams to get to the university. Mm-hmm. There is a system where you have to score a certain amount of points so you can possibly get a good... It, it wouldn't necessarily mean a scholarship, but there is a, if you get enough points, you can get uh, go to university for free. So oh, the okay. government would, will pay for it. But okay. you have to show... You know, you know, you know your knowledge. I actually was able to save some cash from my year in United States. 
that was enough to cover a few years of university really in ukraine from like working a job here or did you get paid for the exchange program i, I was p- p- paid a stipend okay so and i was able to save half of it right and as i said it was enough to cover a couple of years so i wasn't worried about it i know if i need to go to university i'll pay for myself so right you're rich and famous what do you have to worry about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well uh so i actually how i I can tell you how i picked my university so at the the time i met uh this girl in my new school and we started dating and realized that like oh it's time to kind of look for universities and i was like where she goes i'll go yeah just don't really care you know (laughs) so and she picked the school which was not far from my hometown it was in the city of donetsk okay i've heard of that city yeah which has been under control of you know the back backed backed by russian forces for since 2014 so yeah but So yeah, we, we, we started school and uh, I picked the major in the interpret in, as an interpreter because I thought, hey, I know English. It's one of the skills I have. I would like to keep that this skill and yeah. kind of improve it. So and and I think she she went for the to the major in history. Okay. So it was like two years that I didn't I didn't also like my subjects there as well. It was kind yeah. of like, eh. didn't really care about. Although it was a good time, because I lived, yeah. I lived, not necessarily I would call it a campus, but they had some dorms. Mm. They were not far from university. Yeah, you know, I interviewed a guy. Uh, I think it was earlier this year, but who's a um, some high-level administration official at a university. I don't remember his title. but mm-hmm. um, And I asked him, I said, do you think that, what is the highest value of going to college or university? I said, is it the curriculum, like the education that you get, or is there something else? And he said, honestly, it's the social aspect of it that's the most valuable. It's being around the people. It's the connections you can make. It's the those relationships not always, but potentially are far more valuable than the curriculum you can learn. I say that just to say that I, you know, not liking the subjects, but staying plugged in socially like you did. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a pretty common <laughs> experience at university. And I think it, you know, again, from a university administrator, eh, it's not that the curriculum never matters. Obviously it does. And when you get into really technical things and, mm-hmm. you know, it matters more and more, but who you know and the relationships you have, who trusts you, uh, I think matters a lot more often than what you know technically. But since you brought this up, like yeah. in Ukrainian school, I was just having a good time, you know, hanging out, partying, all that stuff. But when I started school in the US, I didn't have a social life. I was actually studying because I enjoyed it. Okay. So see, it's like flip the coin. It's like it's a total, yeah. total, totally was a different experience. Yeah, that's fair. But you also were probably a lot more unfamiliar with people here, right? So maybe less comfortable to socialize and kind of. At the at the beginning, yes, but then I I had just a 
mostly like a group of people who were also like foreigners. Okay. Here, so and we would stick together and hang out. Yeah. Not, not. not the, I shouldn't say that I didn't have any American friends. I did, but just did, didn't do much of social life, kind of. Yeah. Besides, yeah. I was just doing mostly school stuff. So you go to the university there for a couple of years, and then 2014 happens. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So, so what is that experience like? Are you actually there when, when the invaders come, or are you out before then? Like, what is that? Yeah, what's that experience like? So let's kind of go go a little bit earlier in time. Sure. Yeah. So please. December 2013, um, our former president, who was no longer a president, obviously, he kind of not sure if he wants to sign um, an integration with EU or keep being a in a union kind of tried to build a new new stronger union was like russia so he was totally you know to, to, totally pro-russian from the beginning and everybody knew it but he had that moment of hesitance where he wasn't sure what he's gonna do and uh, lots of people got upset about it because he actually inside the integration with eu so lots of people got upset about it and they went on the main square of the capital Referred as a Maidan. I don't know mm. if you heard that. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <clears throat> and uh, started a protest. And like normally, any protest that happened before, the forces would just, you know, kick everyone out and call it a night, you know. Mm-hmm. And they thought it's going to be the same thing this time too. But the next, very next day, more people showed up. And more and more and more and more and more. So there was lots of people on the main square of the capital demanding. um, At first, they were demanding to actually sign that integration. Mm -hmm. But since the force was used against them, like the, the police was start shooting at people. And after the first blood was shed mm. on the square, they started demanding the president to kind of step down. So mm. the, re- the revolution started. I see. <clears throat> and it was it lasted for three months. Like the the main part of it lasted mm. for, for three months. And uh, the president at that time he escaped the country. He escaped to Russia. So are you are, are you geographically like physically close to any of this or it's in a different part of the country? I'm not. I'm on the east where everyone thinks that what's happening in the capital, which is the north part of the country, it's crazy and it shouldn't happen. Okay. For those people who are, you know, raising their their voices and uh, actually dying for the ideas. So most majority of people from the east decided that those actions are wrong and those people are wrong i see and uh, since the country is without the president the army like the you know the the, the army power was um on such a low stage like there was no finance the financing going mm. um like 
the money from the budget was would be stealing like by people would steal, like who who are in charge of it they would just you know kind of put in their own pockets instead of investing in the defense or something mm, right so the country is in really weak point you know where's this un- uncertainty happening and what's going to happen next who's going to be like a new president and where the country is going yeah so the russia decides to take the south part of ukraine the Crimea. Mm-hmm. So, and they invading it and annex, uh, annex, and yeah, how you annex, yeah. Annex. that's correct. Yeah. And that happened without actually the single shot. So there was, okay. no, there was no, uh, there was no like the army involved because there was no army technically. Okay. There's no invasion because they don't need to. Uh, I mean, they invaded it, but no one actually, you know, you know opposite them. Right. There was no okay. power for it, so that's why they were. Oh, we we just taking it, and they did the they did this uh, quick voting, like to kind of say, hey, do you want to be a part of Russia? Ask people, you know, to go to to vote if they want to be. And, they, and I think they got like eighty nine percent people who said, yeah, we want to be the part of Russia. We don't want to be the part of Ukraine. Anymore. Okay. So people in the east start thinking, oh. We want to be a different part of the. We don't. We no longer want to be the part of Ukraine either. Mm-hmm. We want to be the part of Russia, and so I said. Remember on the March first, twenty fourteen, uh, on the main square in Donetsk, where I was going to school, there was gathering, big gathering of people who took down Ukrainian flags from the buildings. And put up the Russian flags. Oh wow! And uh, that's where, where when the the separatist movement started. I see. In two regions, in Donetsk region and Lugansk region, which is a little bit northern, no, northern from there. So that's two closest regions to Russia. Okay. So the separatist movement started, and it's like we talk March, um, April, May. Um, so since I'm like, uh, my hometown is not far from Donetsk, it was like 40 minute drive, same thing happening in my hometown. Oh, wow. So people armed with, you know, with like assault rifles, mm-hmm. the, the different kind of weapons, they taking over the government seats. I see. And establishing their own state called Navarossia. Oh, okay. So it's not part of Russia or Ukraine. Yeah, they 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 just I see on their own independent state with their own government. And then that that name didn't last long, actually. Mm. So these two regions decided to name themselves by just acronym DNR and LNR and the acronym start states for uh, Donetsk uh, National Republic of People and Lugansk National Republic of People. I see. So they named the, decided to name two regions. And so how big are these regions? Are they like you could drive across it in a day, multiple days, less than that? A few hours. Okay. Just 
just if like could you drive across the whole of ukraine in a single day or would that take multiple days the whole ukraine like from east to west sure yeah it would take a couple days okay a couple days i should say okay maybe less yeah like i mean the united states you could drive comfortably i mean if you didn't sleep or whatever you could do it faster but comfortably it's probably if you know four or five days something like that maybe that's an exaggeration i don't know but um, well, it took it took me two days to drive from here to Toronto, Canada. Okay. Because yeah. I, I split it in two days, eight, eight hours each day. Right, right. But that's more south to north, mm-hmm. east to west. Like if you were going to go from yeah, like yeah. Los Angeles mm-hmm. to New York, yeah. it's probably four or five days yeah, if you're yeah. not driving 24 hours a day. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, Ukraine is smaller. It's smaller than... Like, yeah, but it's not tiny, right? It's, like it's, it's not. It's, no, it's not. It's yeah, really that's still pretty big. I mean, if we if we talking about European countries, yeah, I think it's the largest one. Yeah, like if like obviously not the the, the, the Russia Russia because Russia takes the Europe and Asia, so it's right. like across across. Them, but yeah, I think it's so. Uh, but I mean, yeah, probably drive time from very east point to the very west point probably take you two days i should say i would go with that statement it's just an easy way to kind of gauge you know mm-hmm. the size mm-hmm. of it without because mm-hmm. you could say how many miles it was and i would have no idea what exactly. that means yeah, yeah. so <laughs> Let, let's measure it in football fields yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm an american it makes sense how many how many used cars can you line up from one end to the other <laughs> so so all of this is happening where they're 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 trying to establish a new government and all of this, but your family is from that region, and you said you're the, the not just your family but the town you're from is largely sympathetic to yeah. the old Soviet Union. So they're not scared by this; they're supportive of this. Exactly. Is that true? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, they, everyone was supporting supporting the the separatists. Yeah, they like kind of some people would like bring them food. <laughs> you know, huh. we were very, very happy. But uh, I remember the first fight, like the the loud fight I, I experienced was uh, May 3rd. Oh. May 3rd, because I think that at that time, the Ukraine Ukrainian government at that time, who was, I think they already elected the new president or they were in the process of electing a new president. Mm. But... I believe that Ukrainian army starting kind of taking an action because you know the the the, the country's falling apart. You know here right. peace to take peace from here to take peace from there. Right. So, and the, yeah, the first fight I I remember it started. I should say around four or five p.m. I've heard like gunshots, like series wow. of the gunshots from the AK. I was terrifying. I was home, and then uh, there was a few explosions, massive explosions. I don't think they were from, like, really heavy weapon, but something like uh, RPG or grenade. So I mean, that's more than I've ever experienced, I mean, though. That's still I, the, the quite shocking. I, the reason I say that, because what's happening is now, and what kind of rockets are right. on the ground. So that, that, seemed like, that seemed like it was nothing. Even though right. it was it was really scary, like it was it yeah. was scary. I was scared. I I don't think, uh, I don't think I I haven't lo- left the house for a day. Wow. Uh, it's, 
hunker down. <laughs> yeah. But that's was one of the like the most memorable for me. Okay. And then there was the fights going constantly around, but nothing actually was inside of my hometown. Okay. I, I, I so it was in May and since it kind of the tension was building up, my school said, Hey, we don't have any finals this year. Just take your stuff and go home. For, 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 we're we done here for the year. We'll reopen back in fall. Okay. So I was already, I was already home. And uh, yeah, so basically, um, basically, like I, w- I would hear the fights, like from somewhere, like the gunshots and everything. But it was everything around in other r- rural areas. Okay. Nothing was happening actually inside of the city, but then the I think yeah I I remember the date because it's my mom's birthday July five. Ukrainian army pushed back the separatists without actually a, much fight going on. They just left my hometown and a few towns uh, western from mine back to the east to the Donetsk, and that's where the actually the line of the conflict was remained till to, to, to early 2022 okay so my my hometown was under the control of the separatists only for a few months okay so they all moved east gotcha but since that day until uh or uh, till february of 2022 that conflict was live every single day there was an action going like people fighting every day wow i don't think i definitely didn't understand that and i don't know that that's broadly understood like i knew that the 2014 stuff happened and that like and i i i don't mean to lump things together Mm -hmm. like it's all the same but i know i think it was in 2012 russia i think 2012 they invaded like georgia which is a neighboring country there i think that was 2008 Oh, eight. okay. So I'm so much earlier. Okay. Yeah, August is eight. I remember that being a thing in the news, mm-hmm. and then a few years later, this thing happens in the eastern part of Ukraine. Yep. But yeah, I think my understanding, which again, I'm not like <laughs> the ambassador of knowledge or something, but my understanding was yeah that it, there was these events, but then it was stable again. But it wasn't. No, they, no, no. The 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 conflict on the east. Uh, it wasn't the full full scale war, but it definitely, like, that definitely was a war time because for the people who lived there, all the eight years, the con the the, the people just used to it. Like they just right. it was normal. It was like there was a, almost like the new generation, you know, kids who were born during that time, and yeah. it was their old childhood. Wow, that's wild. I mean, it wasn't as intense as it had started since February and everywhere. And it was all the massiveness of the Falcon from Russia. And the Russia yeah. doesn't, doesn't hide anymore. They say, yeah, we're doing this. Because all those eight years, they were saying, oh, it's not us. Right. It's just the people on the East, they just, it's their own will. And they want to live like they want. And it's their own workers, you know, the, the, because the east part very known actually for mines, coal mines. So they were saying all those miners, they 
you know, left their minds and took the guns and started defending their homeland, you know, <laughs> kind of giving you the idea. So they have nothing to do with it. But they, 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 they finally, like, and everybody, but I shouldn't say everybody, because, yeah, some people believed it. And I'm pretty sure, like, most people believed it. And they were just, yeah. Hmm. Ukraine's bad. So were people trying to recruit you into either side of the fighting at any point? I mean, you're kind of the perfect age at 18, 19, 20 to be recruited into being a soldier, right? Like here, that's when people are most heavily recruited, I would say, is around that age. Right. But since it wasn't called a war, ah. so the mobilization didn't happen. I see. So I I, I actually was... So if you want to... I, I can expand a little bit on that. So how the military service used to be in Ukraine when I was there. When any man turns 18, they have to serve. It used to be two years, and then they did just one year in the army. Like, you just have to, like, till you're 27. So that period right. was nine years. Nine years, you if you decide to go to university after you graduate from the high school, you get this time to go to school, and then after you graduate from the university like if you get say just get your bachelor's and you're 22 years old or 23 years old you still have those four years to kind of go and serve right right so i since i went got into school right after i finished high school i just showed up in the place where they you know check everyone and you kind of register there uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to school. They're like, okay. So give us your paperwork. So they kept it all. And I transferred from the same exactly place where you registered for, for the, for the, if they ever need to draft people for like yeah. you know, the war or something. So from my hometown, they took my all the paperwork and transferred to that city, right? Okay. Where I was going to school. Yeah. And, um, I also changed my residency address to the dorms in that city. So it, it and the, I don't just change it by changing my, I don't know, mail address in my bank account or my phone bill. I literally, they, I should have said it there, but uh, I literally have a special page in my Ukrainian passport where they write down my residency because I have two oh. passports. I have one passport to travel abroad and yeah. one the passport passport that's used inside of the country. Oh wow. That's my main ID. I see. So oh. that's <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah, in the in that passport, in that Ukrainian passport, intern they called it internal and external. Like okay. Like in the US, obviously, if you, you need a passport if you plan to travel abroad, you would right. never need a passport inside of your country. Yeah, I've never had one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and then they would put your date, like yeah, I mean your 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 information, like your name, full name, first, middle, last name, where you were born, uh, where you live. Uh, if you if you're a driver, if you ever apply for a driver license, they would record your blood type inside of the passport. Wow! If you have kids, if you get married. Everything that information is recorded in that internal passport. Wow, mine actually expired. Sounds like a hotbed for identity theft. It sounds like to me. 
<laughs> yeah, so all your entire life. In the, in right. <laughs> yeah. If you all lose that, that it. could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so they take a picture of you and they glue it in inside of the page. And they take a picture, first picture when you're 16, when you get this password for the first time. Mm. Then you have to do it when you're 25. They put another picture on another page. And then I think it's 45 and then 60 or something. So it's huh. happened several times. Wow. So my, mine expired because I never replaced my picture when I turned 25. I see. Yeah. But I was like bringing this all up because since all my that information where I live, um, if I if I required military service, I think it also goes in there. So all the information was uh, pointed to the city of Donetsk, which I was no longer there, and it was no longer technically a part of Ukraine because it was in the limbo. I see. So that's why I never was drafted anywhere. I see. And in August 2014, I was already left Ukraine. So. I see. Okay. So, so yeah. So the the it kind of start kicks off in March. In mm-hmm. May, you have some really loud fighting. In June, there's another flashpoint, and then by August, you're gone. Yes. So what was what prompted you to come to the United? I mean, I I, I shouldn't say what prompted. Obviously, mm-hmm. the uncertainty there. But how did you? But come back to the United States. So I had here my aunt mm-hmm. who was already married to my uncle at that time. And they actually settled here in Springfield. My uncle got a job here. And um, they I think they somehow find out about OGC. Okay. Or the Technical Community College. Yep. And they thought to offer me assistance if I'd like to come here to school. They said they like provide some financial support and I can live with them as long as I need. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I should I should go for it. Yeah. So that's I, I decided said that I wanna do it. I submitted some paperwork to apply to OGC. They accepted me, sent me the paperwork to take to the embassy. And in uh, late June I I went to Kiev the capital of Ukraine, where it's the only place the embassy is for my first visa interview. The reason I said first I had to, because on my on my first interview, I was denied a visa. Oh, wow. And uh, if you ask me why, I don't know. They never tell you a reason. They just tell uh-huh. you either you're approved or you're denied. Huh. So I was denied, and I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. Yeah. But then I'm back in two weeks was almost the same documents, all the paperwork that I had with me on the first interview. Um, the only thing there was a little a little bit more evidence of the financial support from my aunt and uncle. They provided more, so that might be played a role in making decision. Yeah. But I was granted a visa. They're like, yeah, you are going to study in the United States. And I'm like, hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting though because since you had the foreign exchange student experience, mm-hmm. but like you said, none of your none of your other friends or, or colleagues from your childhood were interested. I wonder if they if if someone without the experience that you had had in high school would have been as willing to to take that that leap of faith 
in 2014. Like I'm thinking of, uh, of course, because I'm selfish, I'm thinking of me <laughs> and how <laughs> I've always lived in the same hometown. And like, I would be scared. Even if there was conflict, I would be, I think I would be scared and uncomfortable to leave to somewhere else entirely like that because I've never done that. You know what I mean? I've always been here. So that seems like a really crazy kind of prospect, but you had already done that. Like you had already been abroad for a whole year. So it, that part yeah. of it wasn't there. There wasn't the mystery. So definitely that my experience prior experience definitely made the like the crucial role in making this decision because I already yeah. knew what I'm getting myself into. So yeah. it wasn't a big surprise for me. If you're asking if it wasn't me or someone else who didn't have any experience before, I think most people would hesitate. Yeah. I think most people would definitely hesitate. Yeah. I would like to think most people would since I know I would. <laughs> and I want to be normal. Yeah. Even in these difficult times and people would, I think mostly majority majority of people would rather move somewhere into Europe yeah. rather than going to the United States. But Well, I mean, you could potentially drive back home eventually from yep. Europe. And if you live in the yep. United States, mm -hmm. it's an ocean away, right? Yep, so, that's right. Yeah. So you get here and you have the aunt and uncle to stay with and mm -hmm. OTC to go to. Yes. So you immediately start going to, to school and... Well, yeah. So I had two weeks kind of, you know, get ready before the okay. semester. So I, I arrived on, as I said, uh, August 1st, I landed in New York City. And um, which airport? LaGuardia or JFK? I don't remember which one, but one of those. Yeah. And uh, I had a layover between my planes nine hours. Wow. And it's actually end up being closer to 15. Wow. But luckily, I, I so I had to make a transfer in the airports. I had to go from JFK to LaGuardia or vice versa to fly to St. Louis. Okay. But luckily, uh, there was a friend of my aunt who I knew as well. I met him a long time ago when he was lived in Ukraine. But he was willing to actually meet me at the airport, give me a quick tour in New York City, <laughs> and get me on another plane to St. Louis. Wow. That's pretty cool. So I remember I saw the Times Square really quick. Yeah. And then I was swimming in the like the ocean. Huh. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never I've never been I've been to upstate New York, but mm -hmm. it's just like any other rural place. It's not there's nothing really remarkable. It's just the country. But I'm so I've never seen New York City. See yet again, <laughs> even in my own country, you've seen more than me. <laughs> yeah, but it, I remember I got on the plane to St. Louis and I was so exhausted because at first it was 10 hours, it was direct flight, Kiev, New York, 10 hours in the middle row. I don't know, have you ever traveled, have you, have you, have you ever traveled like on the three row planes? Um, I don't, you know, Those I they usually know. go like across the, across the, I was gonna say, I don't think so. I've been on, I've been on planes with two rows that have, like three three seats in each row, so it's like six uh, seats uh -huh. total. But I don't think there's ever been a middle row. So there is a nine seats in one row. So there okay. is there is three aisles. Yeah, and so the, there is nine seats. So I was in the very middle one between two. People. <laughs> you know, for for how many hours? Ten. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. Like no no leg room whatsoever. Yeah, 
and then this quick tour in New York City. So I remember I got on the plane to St. Louis. I just buckled up and fall asleep. Yeah, I bet. And it was in like, I don't know how many, three hours or so. I landed in St. Louis. And it was, it was um, like about two or three in the morning. Oh, okay. I was actually met. I, I, the, my uncle's friend met me. And he drove me all the way to Springfield. Wow. So I actually got in Springfield at four, like five, four or five in the morning right. on the August 2nd. I see. <laughs> so then classes probably start, yeah, a couple of weeks after that. A couple of weeks, yeah. So I had yeah. two weeks kind of, you know, the fight the jet lag because eight hour difference. Yeah. Kind of got supplies for school, got got a little bit familiar, familiar with the area. Like my first, my first year of OTC, since I lived with my uncle on the south part of town, and the OTC is on the north, mm -hmm. I took a bus every day. Oh wow! I didn't have a car. Right. So the the public yeah. transportation here is not very convenient. Because no. if you miss miss your bus, you have to wait the whole hour. Right. Because back in Ukraine, public transportation everywhere, in most cities, it's 24 hours. And if you miss your bus, there is a second one in 5-10 minutes. Okay. So it's not a big deal. I see. Yeah, and Springfield is not set up for yeah. public transportation <laughs> at all. If you don't have a car here, it's tough. It is. It will. So, but, it will. but then I got my license and I kind of used my uncle's car okay. to go places. And so then did you go, did you go to MSU or Drury or something after yeah. OTC? Yeah, after OTC, it's quite, I was um, kind of asked by, again, by my aunt and uncle, what, are you, what do I want to do next? Do I want to go back to Ukraine and, or do I want to try stay here and find a way to stay here? And um, I decided that I'm actually want to stay and uh they said okay then we can still continue help you with you know fi financially for school like to pay tuition mm -hmm. but they moved to st louis because my uncle got a job there so they, they they already had a house here in springfield so they sold it and moved to st louis but since i decided that i'm going to missouri state i stayed in springfield and then I kind of, so I was done with my program at ODC in 2016, but I still take another year to kind of complete some extra credits that are required for Missouri State. And then in 2017, I transferred and completed it in 2019. I see. And so, I mean, during that time, are you, like, how often are you checking in at, like, at home? Like, how often are you... Like calling calling back home to Ukraine, like I'm talking to your family, is that weekly, monthly? Like how often? Once you're over here, are you able to to communicate with them back there? Mm. When I just write? Yeah, just for the for the first couple of years at OTC, for example. Oh, well, I, I would kind of so I would, like my friends. I would call have a call with them like every week on the weekend. Okay. And uh, I had a girlfriend at that time too, and we did the long distance 
Yeah. So that was everyday thing. So I believe my mom or grandparents didn't have computer or a cell phone, like a smartphone. Wow. So I would like、uh, put some. I, I had a Skype, and I would put some credits on it and call, like just a cell phone.、Mm-hmm. It would be like once in like two weeks. And so, did you ever? Did you ever hope that you could bring more of your family here, or were they not interested in coming here, or how did that happen?、Uh, well, I kind of was no. I I always wanted to bring like let's say my mom here. Yeah. But even though I knew she would probably never leave, and that was my point was proven when all the. Started this year, and she was offered to relocate multiple times, and she just, she just doesn't want to do it. She just, no,、oh, I'm staying.、Okay. But I knew that I probably wouldn't be able to do anything for my grandparents. It's、um, that they're, they're kind of older, and、uh, I have to. Even when I get my citizenship, I don't think I can apply for the family reunion on their behalf because they're not. The relatives of the first level, I guess it's、yeah. what immediate family. Yeah, but、uh, so since I, as I mentioned, I had a, when I just moved here, I had a girlfriend from the high school. So I think in December, what for me was here four months. We decided that we'll try to get her here as well. Okay. And she actually was able to get here in summer 2015. Oh okay, but she went to Chicago. Ah, so there was like a, there was a program, like a language program there, so she was doing that program. But so she moved here, and then we saw each other a couple times, and then we broke up. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. But she actually ended up not staying. She she went back. Like after several years, she went back. Mentioned a couple of times the, the beginning of this year,、um, mm-hmm. February, when when Russia just actually full on invades Ukraine.、Um, did, so, did you or anyone that, that you knew back there were you was there any anticipation of this, or was it shocking 
to everyone other than the Russian military, I guess, who was planning it. I mean, the tension was building up, though, like a month, like right after New Year's. Yeah. The, the Russia was doing this training around the, all the three borders. Well, and you, you know, mentioned that there was this tension for the last eight years, and there's this ongoing conflict, even mm -hmm. if it's not a full-on war. Mm -hmm. So that's why I asked that, that question, I guess, to, just to clarify, is like, there's some precursor in some way, but but yeah, and then, yeah, they were doing all the training exercises around the new year. Uh, so I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's still, it still was a surprise. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if every single war starts early in the morning. Right, but the, on the February twenty fourth, the Ukraine woke up from like bombing from different cities at the same time, like four a.m. Right, you know, I I feel like people, some people were like pretty sure it's gonna happen, like they 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 were getting ready for it. But I mean, it was it, it was a surprise for me. Like I was yeah. I, I was shocked. I I I honestly I hoped it would not go that far. Yeah. They would just like, you know, find the solution without actual invasion. Yeah. Without actually. So, and I, I don't mean this in an insensitive mm -hmm. way at all. I, I, but so is your, are the, 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 the folks that you described that, you know, are from your hometown, maybe parts of your family, but that were sympathetic to the separatist mm -hmm. movement from 2014, are they also still sympathetic to this or this is a different yeah. level and they don't like it? Cause yeah. Just how do they feel about this? I guess is what I want. To so that level of sympathy that I described that were before 20, like before the, in the, in the beginning of the 2014 story mm -hmm. and everything that actually kind of went downhill after ever, after those, after those separatists were pushed back. Okay. That's, but not gonna lie, there is still people who actually waiting for Russia to liberate them. Yeah, there is there is still uh, mostly from people who I know. They actually changed their mind long time ago, and not just because of the recent events, but yeah. they have they 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 realize that nothing good ever gonna come out from this kind of situation that yeah. Ukraine was brought in from on the east part so that they kind of changed their minds and their views on the this conflict yeah. <clears throat> and i'm pretty sure there's certain people who changed their minds recently as well from all what started happening yeah they were just like oh that's how you're liberating us liberating liberating us from the by destroying our schools right our hospitals yeah Huh. So is your, I know, you, I know you mentioned that your grandparents are still in Ukraine and your mom mm -hmm. was not willing to leave. So are they in places that are dangerous in Ukraine? Like uh, fighting is happening? So my grandparents, they actually, they moved, they moved to the Midwestern part of Ukraine. Okay. And the village, it's where the, from my grandmother's from. It's her home village and the house where she grew up. Mm -hmm. So... They moved there, and actually, on the day they decided to move, they were waiting for the train on the station in the like neighbor neighbor town because there was no no trains going from my hometown. That they had to take a bus to a different town to get on a train and then 
there was actually the attack on that station while there was like hundreds of people waiting there was an attack and my grandfather he actually had got injured he he he, yeah yeah he he had a piece of the you know of the rocket that exploded in his nose and his shoulder oh my god that's crazy he's he's fine he's already fine but yeah from what my grandma described like when they heard the loud noise explosion everyone fell on the ground and she said that when they got up it was them two of them and someone else and it was like lots of dead people oh my god yeah that's how they were so but then they said and there was some volunteers on the train station who were kind of helping coordinate they told everyone to go to the church there was a church so and kind of waited there so they they stopped attacking and then they sent some buses to the church to take to another town that was further to another train station so they finally got they finally got a train and i didn't know all that so i called them to check how they doing and oh we're in a train we're okay and i, I hear there's something in the voice you know something that they're not very um you know they're worrying about something definitely but i'm like okay but then i found out a few weeks after when they were already in that village because they are staying there was my grandma's sister and her son and his wife who's my uncle so because he would be my father's cousin yeah he's my uncle um so he told me all this all that that's that what actually happened wow uh, and he actually he joined the military he's now he's now in action wow yep okay but yeah my mom i mean she's she's very difficult to persuade yeah. and she isn't in stays in my hometown and about every other day i i have the social media where they send a different pictures and videos of the things that were destroyed last night wow so wow damn well i'm uh yeah i hope i hope i hope it's okay you know what i mean i hope i hope it can be okay for them that's terrifying um i i'm i i'm gonna lighten it a little bit and ask a different question but so um you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about how you're talking about Ukrainian culture and how pop culture, at least, was all really just kind of imported from the U.S. back mm-hmm. when you were growing up. But by the time we get to now, President Zelensky, like he's a pop star in Ukraine mm-hmm. of Ukrainian making, though, like he's not an American pop star or something like he's right. does comedy and. So when did that kind of transition start to happen where Ukraine did have its own pop culture and it's not just it's not a it's not just importing stuff from the US. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's all started happening after the 2014. Okay. I think that's what actually that was kind of the time where Ukrainians actually start finding themselves was so ignited kind of a national pride. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I think that would that would be my opinion. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but yeah, the, definitely the music and the movies and the shows 
there's lots of production that is within the country, not like just foreign. So do you do you consume any of that content, like Ukrainian music or movies or TV or anything yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. and I, I always been kind of so. Uh, if you think about the Zelensky, he had his own late night show, mm-hmm. like not like late night show where you have a guest, but it was like a comedy show on a stage. Okay. So I've been watching some of that, and I watched his shows as well that he made, and actually the one show is on Netflix. Oh, okay. The the one where the, he where he is a place becomes president. Teacher. Yeah, the school <laughs> history teacher who becomes the president. <laughs> and then in real life, he's the comedian who becomes president. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. But so do you? Do you find him now to be inspiring? I mean, I know in America there's a lot of praise for him, but we're also not from there you know what i mean so our knowledge of it is a lot less intimate mm-hmm. okay so if i compare him to any previous like we had he is a number six president yeah. of the independent ukraine if i compare him to any previous president that we have and put that president in this current situation i'm pretty sure every single one of them would flee the country like hours before the invasion started right they know all that information it's it's not surprise for them for sure they know all that stuff um i think he just like he 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 kind of won people's hearts nation hearts by Mm -hmm. staying and showing himself as a strong person who wants to fight yeah, I don't think there is. You find, you know, people who who would look at him as a clown, like they used to call him before. Right, right. Yeah. So, but were the previous presidents were they all oligarchs, and he's actually a man of the people? Is that the difference, or I mean, I had they. There is might be I I, I don't want to say if it's hundred percent truth or not. There is okay. might be that he has a ties to the oligarchy as well. There has okay. been rumors that he was like he when he was running for the president for the presidency like elections, and uh, that there was one of the oligarchs who was sponsoring his campaign, and he has a strong ties because he used to be his show used to be on one of his channels. So you know, also, is it true or not? I don't know, right? But uh, the previous guy before him, the fifth president, he was a like big businessman. He had like candy business. I see. <laughs> Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the guy who fled. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. The guy who okay. fled before he the, that dude was he he actually I think he was in prison twice okay. before he was a president. Oh, okay. <laughs> he I actually he, he hardly spoke Ukrainian. It was weird for you, president of Ukraine, not speaking the language. Right, that is strange. Hmm. So then, so so to go back to your own personal yeah. journey here. So you're in America. You've completed, and and for those people who aren't <laughs> listening, who are not from Springfield, OTC, the first college you went to, is a two-year yeah. community college, typically. Yes. Uh, and then from there, you went on to a four-year university to complete Correct. a bachelor's degree, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then at any point, do you think that 
you're going to be able to stay here permanently? Do you think you may have to go back after you finish school? Like, I don't know how that works at all. Like, you've got the visa to come here, but then what does the official status, how does that all work? So, yeah, um, to get here, I was issued the F1 visa. It's a student visa that right. is granted until duration. Duration of the stay is as long as your program. So the issue they issue you a visa for like your program is two years. They give you a visa for three years. Do you, do you try and change your major then <laughs> to, to um, change the programs? <laughs> it's, it's all individual. Like who, okay. who, some people just come here, complete their program and go back. Like okay. it's not like everyone who comes here as a student wants to stay. Wants to stay. It's yeah. I, I know a few people who left, like who didn't want to stay. So that, that's totally fine. Yeah. I kind of, so that question was brought up to me before I started at Missouri State. Do I want to stay? I said, yes. And my aunt and uncle said, if you want to stay here legally and try to work out your way to get kind of your more permanent place, you need to continue school because it was one of the reason, ways to remain here lawfully and continue getting education and raise my chances of getting employment, uh, employment that would sponsor me for the work visa, find okay. an employer. So my, if like I get a bachelor's degree, I would be more stood out from. But I, I actually I don't believe that it's true that bachelor's degree make you stood out anymore. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't have a bachelor's degree here anymore? Me? You, I don't. Okay, <laughs> okay. good for you. <laughs> you don't. I don't think you need it. You you were born in the United States. You didn't have this to maintain true. your F one visa status. This is true. I yes, <laughs> I, you're honestly. Right. To be honest, I would never go to Missouri State if it wasn't for remaining a student and being here on the visa. Oh. OTC was great, like community college. The knowledge I got from, uh, I lost all that knowledge while I was in Missouri State. Mm. All the practical knowledge that actually related 100% to what I do today. Mm -hmm. I had to build it up when I started my job, I had to build up back all that knowledge that I gained from OTC and lost in Missouri State. Right. Because it's all more theoretical at the uh -huh. four years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All papers, papers, papers. All you do is write papers, but you don't do anything. So in theory, I was supposed to be smart on the paper, but not when it got to the real life experience. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Sorry, please go on. Going back, I'm kind of going sideways, but no, going you're back to, to, your, to your original question. So my, to, I determined that I'm going to stay here and start school yet, but still on the visa. Lots of restrictions. My original visa that was issued in 2014 was already expired. Okay. So I couldn't leave the United States to go anywhere, you know, to go back to Ukraine, see my family. So I, I haven't seen my family and friends for five and a half years. Wow. Five and a half years. So wow. that was true then or that's true now. Huh? That was true then or now. Then. Okay. Cause now you said you went in January of this so year. I went, I already went twice. Okay. And, and it, just a weird coincidence. First time I, I went new year's Eve, 20, 2019, 2022. Right, spent uh -huh. two weeks, came back, and then we hit with pandemic in February starting. <laughs> <laughs> so you go, and then some 
global <laughs> crisis happens right after exactly. you get back exactly. two times in a row. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, it would be so funny if it wouldn't be too so true, right? Yeah. But anyway, uh, so my visa expired. But since I had my uh, I-20, it's another document that proves that I'm a lawful student, student and can lawfully remain in the United States as long as I go to school and, t- and as a full-time student. That's also very important. So I had to have at least 12 credits each semester. Yep. Um, I, I didn't have an authorization to work anywhere outside of the campus. 20 hours a week was my maximum. Okay. So your income is pretty limited. Yeah, I was making like ten dollars an hour, twenty dollars, twenty hours a week. Right. You can do the in twenty seventeen, twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, and a good part of twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's not an easy salary to live on. <laughs> so. Yeah. But since twenty fourteen, when I was here, I knew about this program it's called the diversity visa lottery idea i i don't exactly exactly remember the year it was established but the idea of this program is was to diversify society in the united states Mm -hmm. by inviting people from abroad Mm -hmm. to live here permanently Mm -hmm. so this program Every year, this program gives 55,000 green cards to random people around the world. Okay. And to join this lottery takes like nothing. You just fill out like one page of simple questions about yourself, where you're from, some passport details, and that's it. And you've been, you know, put in this big giant pool. Just to compare, I kind of tried to calculate my chances. And my chance of winning green card was 0.27%. So, like a little bit over a quarter of the percent chance. Right. Wow. And I was applying for it since 2014. So, 2014, 2015, 2016. Okay. So, it's an annual thing. Every October you apply and the results are drawn in May. Okay. So I was doing it every single year. And, and then, it's just a pure lottery. Like you said, it's just one page thing you fill out, but you're not having to take exams or get no, interviewed or anything. Nothing, okay. Nothing to be selected, to be sure. selected as a participant of this program. Okay. You just simply, simply, simply put in that information and uh, you just wait. You're lucky yeah. or not. And I knew, I knew not closely, but I knew of this. Some people who actually wanted in the past and they went to live in the united states kind of i don't that might be that might be like really something would help me a lot because i knew that chances that i could find the employee employer here who would in in springfield i'm talking about springfield yeah it was really low chances for me finding somebody who would will to sponsor me for the work visa it's 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 expensive. You have to pay extra taxes as an employer, and uh, to be qualified for the work visa, you have to perform certain tasks that people who already live here cannot do. So it has to be something out of the order, you know. I see. 
something maybe related to your language or certain set of skills. I so see. it's it's not it's not that easy. You see? Yeah. I kind of you know I I was just I knew that I would I was not able I wasn't I knew that I wasn't allowed to work anywhere besides campus. Even though I I always had had a job on campus. I kind of just did interviews to practice for the future. So I just was applying for random jobs and going to the interviews. I know I was wasting someone's time, but I'm sorry if I did that. <laughs> but I think it's okay. I think because of that kind of history of the interviews, I was able to get the job every time I needed it. So what, like, well, on the campus, I went through the interviews, no problem. My current job, I had all the interviews. And I was very confident. So I think it was a good experience for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so four times I applied for that lottery. And the first time, actually, I was notified that I was selected as the... How, how would they say it? I, I think I remember it so... Uh, you have a specific number, like the code that you put into the web page, and they okay. spit out. And if you're if you're not selected, it just says, "Oh, you have not been selected." Sorry, or just okay. verify verify your information. Make sure you put your number confirmation number correct. But I remember I put my number, and I just I have all my hope in it. Like the night before, I knew that drawing is tomorrow. Uh, I'm not a very religious person. Like I'm. I shouldn't say I was praying, but I was just kind of trying to communicate with the universe and ask yeah. for it for it to become true. And I was I was shocked when I saw you have been selected instead of you have not been selected. Just yeah. you have been selected. It's just changing your my changing my world on the spot. It's like Did you refresh the page and check it again? <laughs> well, I, I actually saved it before refresh. Yeah. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. <laughs> you know, print. Save as PDF <laughs> and then refresh. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and uh, at that time, I remember my roommate at that time was next sitting next to me, and she graduated uh, college, like the university, and she said, "Like, oh, now all my happiness from graduating is gone because your thing <laughs> is more important." <laughs> yeah, it is. People graduate from college all the time. Very few people win the the lottery that you won. Right, so right. yeah, it is a bigger deal. Sorry, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> so 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 then so once you're selected for that lottery, you no longer have to worry about citizenship or what it what what's what's true now. Would <laughs> would sound very perfect, right? You've been selected, and then they mail you green card and yeah. say congratulations. Yeah, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. But no, no. Oh, so I find out that I was selected in May 2018, and I actually received my plastic green card in the mail in June 2019. So oh, wow. 13 months of the application process that involves biometrics interview wow and also a pretty large fee for a person who works 20 hours a week for ten dollars right uh, so also i find out that there is also a queue of numbers wow. where when the your number you 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 you're issued a certain number when you've been selected 
and there is that number is put in the queue and when your number hits the spot in the queue where you actually allowed to start your paperwork process you actually allowed to submit your paperwork so since may till january there was no action i was just waiting for my number in queue to hit wow. the spot <laughs> but then i did the document you have to kind of fill out the application itself it's it's long it's um i i would say it's about mm, like 30 to 40 pages long document wow. yeah it's all the information about you about your family about uh, your places where you lived for the past five years day to date so no gaps allowed you have okay. be, you have to be certain where you were on the wow. on, on that day then they ask you a bunch of that there's like several pages the questions yes or no and the questions are like uh have you ever been a part of the terrorist organization or <laughs> are you coming to united states to uh be a prostitute or things like that <laughs> It's strange that those questions exist simply because, like, who would answer yes, even if the answer was yes? And then these questions are several times repeat, but in different interpretation. I see. I see. So they're trying to catch a liar. Right. So, wow. <laughs> but, yeah, so I remember I, I filled in all my documents. I was sent to notice that I have to go to St. Louis to do my biometrics, my picture and my fingerprints. So I did that, and then I sent my documents to, uh, I don't remember exactly where, but office somewhere, not, not, not in Missouri, somewhere else. And my package got lost. Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. Like oh, no. Me. Like me. So my package got lost through the FedEx. They lost it. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> They never lose anything. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, and it also included, that package also included my medical exam that I had to do to kind of show all my vaccines at that time that I had, the, my overall uh, uh, medical state, like questions about, you know, different aspects of the health. Yeah. So. But luckily, I had a copy of that exam because the doctor who was doing, he was kindly enough to give me two copies, even though they have to be in the sealed envelope. So he gave me two sealed envelopes, same wow. thing, just to keep it in case, just in case. He kind of knew that things could happen. And cause you also have to pay for that exam. So it's, um, and uh, I think I didn't send the check. I made an online payment. So I didn't lose the check, you know, was the fee for the application. So I resubmitted it again. So and I actually paid for um, you know where they request require you to sign. Mm -hmm. So I put the request to sig of the signature of the recipient. Nice. So and yeah, my my paperwork went through, and then uh, I finally received the invitation for the interview in Kansas City because okay. there is another USCIS uh, office there. So I remember I kind of, I was kind of confident because I knew everything should work just fine. Like I spoke truth. I didn't violate my status here. Mm -hmm. um, 
so and I remember I rented the car because uh, I still have it in my car at that time, and I drove to St. Louis uh, to, to Kansas City the night before my interview. And I remember that actually was the final uh, Stanley Cup. Oh, Blues versus Bruins. Oh, wow. didn't they Bruins. win that year? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah. The Blues won. Yeah. Stanley Cup, and actually, I was I I uh, I was watching it, and I placed a bet on there. <laughs> You're riding a wave of luck at this point, right? <laughs> actually, I won the bet, and it, it, actually, the money I won it was my lunch money for the next day. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, next day I go to the interview early in the morning because I think I was scheduled for eight a.m. And uh, I go in. I think uh, I was not allowed to bring anything with me, so I just leave everything in the car and just go in, and just sit there and wait, 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 wait. I think thirty, forty minutes of wait time, mm. and then the officer calls my name and says, "Come on in." So you go into into the room, and he has your application in front of him. And ask questions. Are they? What's their? What's their demeanor like? Are they? Are they friendly? Are they very business and they don't give anything away? Like, what's the? Yeah, what's the atmosphere? So I had a I had a interactions with several immigration officers mm-hmm. with some customs patrol. You know the CBP customs patrol border. See, yeah, customs border patrol. Yeah, that's what it says. So some people are very friendly, and they are willing to help, but some kind of maybe a little mean. They even a little mean to you. So yeah, I had a different experience. The experience was a green card officer. He was cool. Okay, we had we had the okay kind of conversation, question answer, question answer. If you can yeah. call it a conversation, I don't know. But then. <laughs> He kind of, I thought he'd make some notes and then he gives me this piece of paper saying, we will not, we cannot make a decision on your case today, but we will notify you if we need some extra evidence on your case or any paperwork or something. And I'm like, okay, thank you. So, and I remember I got into my car and I was kind of confused why they would not make a decision on my case and then i just thought it's three hour drive i'm just driving and constantly thinking what if what i'm gonna do i'm thinking about what i'm gonna do if they would not approve because i know my like school is over go go for the master's degree right to to, to extend it further Or just go back. So all those kind of thoughts in my head. But then I remember I already, I'm already in Springfield and I returned my rental and uh, got to my place here and just, you know, laying on the bed, getting some rest. And I see the email pop up saying, oh, your new green card is issued. Wow. Just casually, you know, like your, right. your green card has been issued. I'm like, what? I was just told like a few hours ago that they could not make a decision. Yeah. 
and then so it was it was i think it was tuesday or wednesday and then friday i found it in my mailbox oh wow that fast yes huh <laughs> that's awesome so then were you, were you able to go and apply for full-time work and stuff immediately exactly that's what i started doing five working for yeah. job right away yeah i bet <laughs> mm-hmm. i bet huh so then so so that's all complete so then now what is true like today do you ever have to do anything with that again or you're just covered uh so the green card is issued for 10 years okay so mine's good till 2029 but there is also a thing like so green card it's a permanent residency which grants you all the rights except the vote you cannot vote okay as a permanent resident compared to the citizen but the other you can work you can live you can travel just do your thing be nice to others <laughs> so uh but uh this the green card can be terminated taken away from you I for certain things so uh, there is a rule uh, you have to leave five years as a permanent resident and then you can apply for a citizenship and just you don't need a green card anymore because you're a citizen i see so if everything goes smooth i'll be a citizen by summer 2024 okay and so for the citizenship process is it also another battery of interviews and tests oh, yeah. and all that oh, stuff yeah. again yeah, oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> man so oh, really yeah. you got picked in a lottery just to have the chance yes to be interviewed and go through all that stuff yes, that's correct but, but so but so of all the people that get through the lottery do you get picked in that lottery which that felt like you won like the the powerball lottery i'm sure uh-huh. yep but really most of those people don't make it as far as you have now even uh yeah there is there is lots of people don't even know that they were selected or they don't don't give an correct information because my also my case was pretty easy because i'm a single have no kids or wife or so i I was just like about myself and what i was doing so kind of went pretty easy some people like say they have like kids from a different marriage and they don't put their names and they have to so they've been withdrawn from the program because they're kind of light on their application. Oh, wow. So there is lots of things. Or some people just realize that uh, they don't want to. Like, they already got the green card. Like, say if they're, they're not, because you don't have to be in the United States to apply for it. Most, it's my case is very, uh, it's out of order. I see. And when I was trying to research the information on what to do, like what to do if you were selected for this program when you're located in United States, and I couldn't find much answers because it's such a rare thing. Usually, people are, you know, abroad. They winning the green cards and then they travel into United States for the first time. Right. So some people might go through all the all the process and already have the green card on their hands and just decide not to go. And yeah. if you decide not to go within ninety days of your issue of the issue date of the green card i think it's uh it's immediately invalid it's voided Ah, so i think it's super awesome my um despite me being born and raised here in missouri and and 
whatever. And my parents being from Iowa, my, my mom's mom uh, came over on a boat from Denmark. In, oh, okay. So it's not that far removed, even though I am <laughs> very much from the Midwest. Uh, my family history is not that far removed from probably a very different experience because it was in like the 1920s. So <laughs> there's no internet and I'm sure the the tests were and interviews were probably way less rigorous than they are now, but where they have to go through the Ellis Island. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've actually been on the Ellis Island. Really? Mm-hmm. Just cool. from, from visiting like a, well, right, right, right. Tourist purpose. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I want to conclude with one more, I think, happy note. And that is, you know, you mentioned that, you know, some members of your family are, are not able to, to come over here. But um, you, you mentioned your trip to Toronto, and that was to bring someone close to you yeah. over the United States. Could you mm-hmm. elaborate on that a little bit? You want to share that story? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I met. Uh, I, sh- I don't know if you can say it. I've met when you do it on the social media. Can you yeah. meet someone on the social media? I think so. I think people now meet on Tinder, which is right. not social media, but it's just another app. So, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, there was I. I just snapped a picture of the of the sunrise on the way to work, and posted to my story on Instagram. And I had this one random girl in my followers subscribe i i have much follow i shouldn't say like i, I know i'm rich and famous <laughs> <laughs> yeah this all lines up go on one of your fans reached out yeah exactly <laughs> uh, she she just she just she just said like yeah it's beautiful i'm like yeah and i'm like i actually think i know you but i don't remember from where i know you ah. she actually like from my hometown oh wow but we've never met in real life, or we might have met because she knew a lot of people. We have a lot of common friends. Uh huh. I know we actually seen each other. So, and she kind of said who she is, and I'm like, okay, okay. So, she, and she knew me because, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Rich and famous. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Local celebrity. How could she not? But, um, yeah, we just started talking talking and kind of you know building this long distance relationship yeah and we saw each other uh like five or six months after we were just chatting we were okay. we both moved to istanbul oh wow and uh, you have such an exotic life you go <laughs> meet women in turkey you know just for the weekend uh it was a week <laughs> Oh, week. a week. My bad. My my mistake. <laughs> How modest of me. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it was it was really cool. So it was still yeah. a lockdown. It was 2021 February. It was still a lockdown, okay. and uh, not many tourists. I know that the, Istanbul is very touristy lo- location, but it was perfect. It was not hot yet, but it wasn't too cold either. Yeah, it was, like nice jacket weather. So we saw lots of cool places, you know, kind of finally met each other in person. Mm-hmm. And then I think I decided that I, I think it's all serious. And I want to kind of try to get her over here. And uh, we tried to get the, her student visa as well, like to get to Missouri State for the English classes. 
but didn't work out like she was denied and it, it's it's difficult to get the student visa when you're not in your like you know you're not a teenager anymore who is like just i see out of school and goes to another school it's more difficult but then i came again for the uh, winter to kind of meet her family and have her meet my family and i proposed over the new years oh wow yeah so okay. well, congratulations yep and then so the february the war started yeah so we uh, she moved to europe romania spent there two months okay. she we tried again getting visa we tried it for, again getting student visa but the u.s embassy denied it and there was no any program from the united states for the ukrainians yet uh, but Canada actually offered to anyone who wants to come, just come in. So there was easy, really easy process to get the Canadian visa for her. It was totally online. She had to go once to give her uh, fingerprints. Okay. And then in May, she flew to Canada. I drove to Canada because I knew that Ukrainians are being led into the United States through the walking borders, Mexico and Canada. So in that, keeping that in mind, I drove to Canada and she flew in from Romania to get her here and ask for this thing called humanitarian parole on the border. But a few days before, we already purchased tickets and everything. So end of April, the United States government announces that, hey, there is actually the program called Uniting for Ukraine, where anyone who is a United States citizen or a permanent resident can support a person, family, or how many people from Ukraine who wants to come to the United States. Oh, cool. To be safe, right? And to do that, you have to file certain application, of course. Sure. Uh, so to file for so to for me to file that application i had to show that i have a sufficient income to support uh, like at least one person mm -hmm. and uh write a letter that i i'm willing to support this person while they're here and you know kind of give some details on what exactly i'm gonna do because mm -hmm. we were not let in through the border and i had to leave her in canada for two weeks oh wow but luckily Somehow I met my friends there from my hometown who also applied for Canadian visas and just got wonderful. And they came there for a month to see how it is. They, wow. They, they actually didn't like it as much. So they, oh, really? They, they went back to Europe. And I understand that because they're, they're also like my age. like close Yeah, to they're not age. kids. And it's really hard to readjust and start kind of everything over again. Especially sure. like in the totally different culture. Yeah, so I mean, I, I would be scared to move to a different American city, right? And that's <laughs> that's so much less than what you're talking about. So I mean, when I moved sense. here, I, when I moved here, I I had nothing, yeah. so I was building. But they had already accomplished something, right? And they lost at everything because of the war. But Europe's still easier place to kind of adjust than Canada. Sure. So, but. Going back to my fiance, so she was able to get here, and uh, so my application was approved. She was let in through the through the airport. 
patrol, like the border border station. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we get we get we get married September first. Oh wow! Yep, well, that's awesome. Well, congratulations, man. Thank you. That's so cool that you. Of all the places you could have ended up in the United States, it's in any town USA, right? In Springfield, <laughs> right, right, the most right. nondescript place. And then not only do you meet someone from Ukraine that you can bring over here, but someone from your hometown, which is also not a big, it's not like you're from Kiev, you know what I mean? Right, which is like, right. <laughs> uh, how, yeah, how crazy that all is. This is a bad question, but. What do you think about all of that? About how how this is just over time and not without effort. I don't. I don't. I'm not calling you lucky because you've mm-hmm. definitely earned it. But how does it feel to have these things kind of fall into place? <sighs> how does it feel? I mean, it definitely feels good because uh, sometimes when I think about it, about this kind of same, I ask a similar question myself. I think, what would I do if it would not work out like it worked out for me? What would I do? To, and honestly, it's it's kind of difficult to find the answer to that question. Yeah. Everything just worked out as it was supposed to, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes, like, some events have some impact on the actions, and some actions have some impact on the events. And in my case, in my story, I feel like everything was just in the right time, in the right place. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, Alex, this has been an awesome conversation. Um, And I'm super grateful that you were willing to come on and share so much of your life and your thoughts and your experiences. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to to talk about at this point? Uh, I mean... (laughs) Kind of, I think the highlights and the points, but we 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 might keep it just for another time. Okay, you know? all right. Well, I I'd love to have you back on some other time to to hear more stories. Um, well, again, Alex, can't thank you enough for your time, man. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Walker, for inviting me. I enjoyed it as well.
Families fled to the open plains Hot and handsome dirt and stone Under the sun a turning gray A fire and I weaved in the bone a Brick by brick they built their home Walk those halls. Now the roof crumbles under the sky. The staircase came crashing down. Step by step they fell to the ground. No way to reach the top floor again. It's a paper ladder drifting into. Well, that's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Alex for sharing his walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show, and of course, thank you for listening. I also invite you to check out my other show, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we talk about why gaming matters. Pick Up Your Sticks can be found on any podcast app. Again, thanks for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up. <laughs>